Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, and whenever you're ready. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Long Range Fuel. I'm Helen Murray, and this is the weekly podcast bringing you the best interviews in triathlon and beyond. It's a bit of a jam-packed episode for you this week, but I hope you are doing well. I hope you're all right. So there's a wonderful interview coming up with three-time Ironman world champion Marinda Carfrey. But first of all, I want to introduce you to an amazing woman called Rosie Swale Pope, who is going to be turning 74 anytime soon. Now, what's impressive about that, you might think, you know, I know many a person in their early 70s. Well, how many do you know that could run from Land's End to John O'Groats at the ripe or the young age of 73? That is what Rosie is doing. She's raising money for a small charity called Phase Worldwide that supports projects in Nepal. And she's running up the UK, but that wasn't actually the original plan. Rosie was actually in Turkey, partway through a run from Brighton in the UK to Nepal when she was forced to come back to the UK due to coronavirus. And when I saw that she was doing this run from Land's End to John O'Groats, and that she was probably going to be passing semi-nearby, I decided to see if I might be able to meet her en route. And we just about managed to make it happen on our way down to South Wales. Now, a few things you should know about Rosie. She took up running in her late 40s, and in 2003, she started an epic round-the-world run, carrying all of her belongings in a cart behind her. It took five years to complete, but that cart, well, it's similar to the one that I found her in when we managed to meet up on the edge of Shrewsbury. So I've done a few interviews in my time in various places. I don't think I've ever done one sat on a cycle path on the side of a roundabout. I have done quite a few in Shropshire, but not not on the side of a roundabout with... um, it's Ice Chick, isn't it? This is the Ice Chick, Rosie. Well, first of all, Helen, thank you for sitting on the roundabout, especially for me. And I'm 
Yes, this is Slick Chick. Slick Chick, sorry. The reason it's Slick Chick is that I am in the middle of running to Kathmandu. You might think John O'Groats is a strange way around to get to Kathmandu, but I'm doing, like everybody these days, the extra step. So what I'm doing, I, I've run pulling Ice Chick, which is a lighter buggy made of carbon fibre, which was a precious gift, through 12 countries to reach Turkey, which is a wonderful country. But I could not go any further towards Kathmandu. I'm due to run to Samson and then Georgia and then Azerbaijan and then Turkmenistan, uh, Pakistan, High Kashmir, all for a reason, and then to Nepal. As I say, it's a journey of reasons. I'm doing this for Phase Worldwide, which you can look up. I'll give you the link in a minute, which is a very small British charity that helps people help themselves, like practical help achieving self-empowerment. However, because of COVID, like us all, we've been affected, and out of the extra things you have to do, we've all had to do, amazing chances happen that you'd never expect. Because I was visited by my lovely grandson, who was just off the university a while ago. He visited me, and I thought, I had to come back to England, and I thought, he'd cycled a long way. He was cycling to Scotland, cycled to see me. I thought, wow, what am I doing sitting around? When you can't do something, you do something else. That's the ancient law of everything, isn't it? From 10 million years. So I thought, I'm going to run from Land's End to John O'Groats. Well, you might think this is a long answer to the question of slick chick and ice chick, but <laughs> it is actually essential because the, I, my buggy's in Turkey, see, okay. the one I usually use. That's ice chick. When I, I love these, these jog pods, beautifully done by a lovely man called Jeff Holland and um, Steve Holland. Steve Holland. I've not listening, oh my goodness. But anyway, the thing is, Steve's amazing and he makes these lovely jog pods in North England. And so he, I bought one, I sold my car and I bought one for a modest cost, very kindly done by him. And it's only fiberglass, so it's very pretty. And it's, I don't know whether it's that much heavier or whether I just think it's heavier. I don't know whether that is the... I, I'm slow because... It's heavier, and I've also got heavy kit because my best kit's in Turkey, or whether it is just that I talk too much. <laughs> but in any way, we all know the slowest journey goes the longest miles because they, you have mental, physical, inner, outer, all types of, of, of encounters and experiences, and I'm having a fabulous time. I'm running up England mostly for just local charities. I'm not asking for money like, you know, for England particularly, unless... But I always welcome people to back me for, for what is it, www.rosyruns.co.uk. As I said, www.rosyruns.co.uk, because then they can sponsor me for Nepal. But if someone hands me a fiver along the road, and don't ask for money because life is tough for so many people. So I give it to the local community. Every, like in Yorkshire, was the air ambulance or the hospice. Then it's been the air ambulance in places like Devon or a hospital, Devon next to the hospital. Here it's been, well, for various things, like there's a, there's a hospice uh, just in, I think it's called Compton, or I can't remember the name of it, but just I gave, I gave it to a shop, but they signed for it and then they put it in the box, so that's how I do it. So basically it's just a big shout for, for Britain because you can't love another country unless you also love your own. They go together. It's like having children. You know, like your first child's your own country, and then after that you have more, and you think, I can't love them, but actually you can. That's why people who have ten children are going crazy with love all the time, even though they probably have no money or time. So I'm just proud that you're actually talking to me, Helen, because you're a great lady, and you both interviewed remarkable triathletes. I'm only a, a round-the-world runner, and that means I'm putting Only, my sorry, sorry. I think, I think we've got a bit of a word there that we need to come back to. Only a round-the-world runner. Wow. I do want to come on to that, but while we're here, and um, while you are... So I'm sitting just outside um, Ice Slick. You are inside. I am. With, with your mug, with your stove. Can you just talk us through what you've actually got in here? Well, this is... It's absolutely addictive to say. In my little castle here, in my little chick here, I have got a very good, ke- uh, well, a little saucepan 
a beautiful stove. You can make a noise with it. Yeah, yeah there's our. There we go. There's our stove. And we yeah. have. Uh, gas. You've done radio before. <laughs> I'm very bad at radio. I never stop talking. There's the tea and a nice little food box made of organic wood and stuff like that. Really, really good uh, stuff to wash my hands and, and body so I smell a little better, not like an old sheepdog, which sometimes happens if it's been damp a long time. A beautiful sleeping bag. Pictures of people. I, well, I've got a, a lovely car that Clive sent me. At some stage, I think it was the last year it was alive. Reminds me that there is everything beautiful is always forever. And basically, it's a heavy thing. Quite, How much does it weigh? I don't know, because it's like a lady even though it's, I call it he, because I haven't run it over a way bridge. It's just a little heavier than the other one, but it sometimes feels heavier because I was stopped in Turkey for two months, although they're very sweet people and I hope to go back. But the main thing is that I wasn't very fit. The first day I only did three miles pulling it and I had to take the bags up and stagger up hills separate with them. Now I can do up to about 12 miles, even 15, but and that is... You know, but but I live in it like a puppy dog on the side of the road. And you know what? I'm so grateful. You would say it's amazing little things teach you, don't they? Because some people think, and I used to think, that the reason I'm not afraid of the dark, the reason I can do these journeys which are easier than the 20,000-mile run around the world I did when I lost Clive to prostate cancer, is because the hard teaches the easy. But, you know, I owe, I owe it all to a cow, a little heifer, called Cleopatra. Not only did I train her to wear a saddle and I rode her to the horse show and we got a prize. I don't know why, but for the, for the best turned out. Was this growing up in Switzerland? I was, growing, I was only in Switzerland till I was three because my mother had TB and she died when I was a baby. I was given the way to the postman, which has to be a good start to a tra- for a traveller. But after that, my grandmother came to get me and she... Uh, I'm changing the subject slightly, but you know, I've had so many lessons before I was even responsible for anything of how impossible can be turned to possible. My poor mother had terminal TB, but she gave birth to me anyway, and I never knew her, but I'm so grateful for my life. And then my grandmother, she couldn't walk. She was on a very reduced income because medicines were expensive, no NHS in County Limerick then, or I don't know now, but anyway... So she used to teach me to cut my shoes into ever more sexy sandals and you could find a way round things. She said, you don't matter if you're not beautiful and gifted. She said, she said Rosie, it's not looks uh, that are natural gifts that really count. Lucky for you, my dear. It's wanting to do things. So she said I could ride the cow to the horse show, Cleopatra, and, but she used to teach me. And because of falling over at five in the morning, at um, in winter mornings when I did, had, trying to find her in the field, I've never been afraid of the dark since. And I even learned some useful ticks, uh, tri- uh, uh, tricks. I'm I actually heat water and put it in bottles and have a hot water bottle right in here in my sleeping bag. And when I was young, my grandmother said I should put warm water in a bottle, a little any sort of little empty bottle, and then I could warm my hands on it. So when I milked Cleopatra, she had lovely warm hands milking her, and she gave more milk that way because it did better than my singing. Cows are meant to like singing, but I don't sing very well. So that's how it all began. So I was brought... I'm not a, a tough person. I don't do things to test my strength, which is lucky because I don't know how much I've got or not got. But I do them because I want to, for passionate reasons. And I do it for happiness. You know, I was driven by sorrow to run 20,000 miles around the world when my husband died of cancer. But now, you know, I've learned that happiness as an even better motivation. And that's why it, you, people like you, Helen, spread light. So I'm doing this because it works. When I ran around the world, I, other people I did it. I didn't do it, but in theory, it, actually I raised half a million pounds. Wow. And, and you know, it worked. And I got 10,000 letters more important to people who are going for cancer checks and so on. So basically, it's, fully gonna, it, it's like the dog playing the piano, but more fun. Basically, I'm nearly 74 now. I was going to say, you're going to be 74 uh, in October. Correct. Very well researched. Yes, the 2nd of October. But, you know, basically, it's probably the new 47. And I'm full of energy. And I'm so happy. I just believe it's really important for everybody. And I wish I'd learnt this younger. Just to 
say thank you for the day. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what culture you are, thank you. And if, when you really look, look at the colours, listen to the sounds, smell the smells, the good ones and the bad ones, just take life in and milk the joy of it. And remember that you're given the strength to, you can't change bad things like people dying or tough, tough times, but you can make them 20% better by the way you think about them. Now, if you want to hear the rest of the interview with Rosie, who has many more little nuggets of wisdom, then you're going to have to sign up to be a training buddy to the podcast over at patreon.com forward slash inside try show. And you can show your support for what I do, which is basically bringing you awesome interviews every week. And one of those is going to be coming up very, very shortly with Marinda Carfrey. However, I wanted to tell you first about long range fuel from resilientnutrition.com. They are amazingly delicious performance enhancing nut butters and long range fuel comes in jars it also comes in pouches so whether you're out all day training or maybe you're working from home and you need to be alert and avoid those sugar rushes then have a look into long range fuel i was actually having a word with ali who is the boss of resilient nutrition earlier on and he's just done an overnight 90 kilometer run and his moving time was 10 and a half hours and he told me that he took six of the long range fuel nut butter pouches with him but he only used four so it was 400 grams of fuel so more like 436 if you include the packaging in terms of weight 436 grams and he said to me I've done a shed load of all-nighters and I haven't had it so easy in terms of mental and physical energy and it was solid all the way through even through the 2 to 4 a.m. graveyard shift. So if you are planning some epic adventures or you want to maybe try an alternative to energy gels or carrying big amounts of food like your peanut butter sandwiches or whatever in your pack if you're out on a long run, then get in touch with the team at Resilient Nutrition. See what they can do for you. And remember, you'll get 10% off with the code INSIDETRY10. That's the figures 10, all lowercase over at resilientnutrition.com or follow the link in the show notes at insidetryshow.com. Time for this week's interview. I'm really chuffed to be able to bring you an interview with this week's guest, Marinda Carfrey, or Rinny, as she is very well known. She's a three-time Ironman World Champion. She's got a really impressive record, actually, at the World Championships in Kona with six podium finishes from seven attempts. She also holds the run course record at the Ironman World Championships with a swift two hours, 50 minutes and 26 seconds. That was from her win in 2014. After becoming a mum in 2017 to Izzy, she actually returned to the World Championships in 2018 and finished fifth she's had such a stellar career and I actually figured you'd probably know a lot about that and about some of the battles and some of the races that she has been in but I thought maybe one side that you might not have heard quite so much is how on earth she juggles training with being a mum as well And this is all as she and her husband, the American professional Tim O'Donnell, prepare for the birth of their second child. Marinda Carfrey, welcome to the Inside Try Show. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I want to say congratulations, first of all. It's very exciting news that you have announced recently. Yeah, uh, we're very excited um, with, uh, you know, a very uncertain year like 2020 and kind of the blows that kept, keep coming. Um, this has been something for us to focus on that's really positive and exciting and um, kind of turned it our year around, really. As soon as things went into lockdown and it became pretty clear that maybe racing wasn't going to be an option this year, was that then the kind of trigger to go, right, let's try for another baby? Exactly, yeah. We... Um, we hadn't planned to try – well, we had planned to try sort of at the end of the season this year. Um, our daughter just turned three, so we – you know, it was kind of time. We definitely knew we wanted to have another baby or try for another baby. And so sort of the plan was – the rough plan was to, you know, start trying at the end of the year after Kona. And then, you know, my races in March got cancelled and April got cancelled. 
And then things did not look like they were going to be going ahead anytime soon. And so we just said, well, you know, let's start trying now. And, you know, obviously you don't know how long it's going to take to conceive a child. Um, and, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So, um, yeah, we actually were really lucky. We conceived pretty quickly. And, yeah, on our way to number two, we're already tw- almost 23 weeks along. So past halfway and the baby's due on um, New Year's Eve. So probably a 2021 baby, given that Izzy was about 12 days late. But we'll see. Yeah, 2020, 2021 baby. Um, we're just excited to have that new focus for 2020. What was it like at the very beginning of the whole coronavirus outbreak for, for you and, and those races getting cancelled and, and the uncertainty of it all? I think uh, like a couple of weeks before, you know, we heard about the coronavirus and then couple of weeks before things were getting cancelled, some people were saying, oh, what if the races get cancelled? And I was like, no, no way. They like, it'll be fine. We'll be racing. And then, you know, that became a reality. And I think a week before my first race was Texas 70.3 and then my next one was going to be St. George Ironman, which was my big early season focus. And they basically got cancelled in the same week. And um, the week before that, my, we were on the track and uh, we finished the session and Julie Dibbins is um, – an amazing um, British athlete. Um, she's my now coach and, and she kind of pulled us together and said, okay, so like we kind of need to seriously talk about if races do get cancelled, what are we going to do? And I like kind of off the cuff said, well, if races get cancelled, we're just going to get pregnant. And we all kind of took a, had a little bit of a laugh. Um, but then a week later, races got cancelled and then Tim and I were like, I guess maybe we'll start trying. Um, but yeah, I think initially it was just frustrating. You know, we – Every, you know, everyone trained so hard through Christmas and over the winter time. You know, we were in Australia, so it was summer, summertime. But still, like it's that like down season with like months of kind of longer training, harder training. You're you're getting back into shape. It's hard work. Um, it's nothing that we're not familiar with because we do it every year. But then to get to you know a few weeks out from that first race and find out that nope, uh, it's not actually happening. And in fact. You know, your, your season's looking, um, you know, basically non-existent. Um, yeah, it was kind of like kind of the wind out of your sails, I want to say. And there was a bit of time where you could kind of sense in the group like a little bit of just melancholy feeling, um, like of loss almost. like, um, And, you know, justifiably so, you know, like, you have like all these hopes and dreams for the season and for the year and you kind of like focus on them and you plan your whole life around them and then they're not there anymore. And so then how do you keep moving forward? Like what's your next focus and how do you continue to have a positive outlook? And so I think there was definitely, well, certainly for me and for, you know, Tim, uh, we sort of had a few weeks where we were kind of like a bit lost um, and then – you know, fairly quickly we conceived the, the new baby. And so that w- didn't last too long. We were kind of like, okay, well, you know, we're going to have a baby this year and we'll make the most of, um, you know, we'll continue to train and um, hopefully there'll be some um, fall or, or late season races for, for Tim to do. And so we kind of like just played it that way. And actually early on um, Julie sat down with Tim and said, okay, and obviously I let Julie know pretty early in my pregnancy that I, I had a baby inside me and that I couldn't be, you know, training the crazy amounts we were before. But we kind of decided to have like a three-week focus training block in that just three weeks of um, where we're on program and, you know, in Boulder and uh, training and then one week of do whatever you want. So train if you want, don't train if you don't want, um, go see some of Colorado if you want. And that has been an amazing change in that you have like those three weeks where you're home and you're training and you're in your normal routine and but it, it's not really that long and those weeks go quickly where you have something to look forward to and for us um, exploring a little bit more of Colorado um, and in doing some things that we never would normally do in the summertime here so yeah it's been a really fun t- fun summer actually I imagine that one week you should be counting down to it each month yeah, I mean, you kind of like you enjoy. I think we're creatures of habit, so we like to have routine and 
um, being out, you know, at homes. But yeah, we do plan out a fun adventure um, at the end of that three weeks. And um, yeah, it's been really fun to go and yeah, see some of Colorado. And you're right, like you kind of are counting down the weeks, but on the other hand, they go really quickly because when you're home, you're like, okay, we got stuff to do around the house. We got like, um, you know, sponsorship commitments. Obviously, that has increased tremendously. Um, it was almost easier when we just could race, race, get a result, and um, and you wouldn't have as many uh, jobs to do at home. But um, with no racing, obviously, you know, we're still trying to stay as visible as possible and. And so making sure we, you know, keep our YouTube show, the Tim Rini show up and running. Um, and then just like lots of other content requests from sponsors to to try and get done in, in that time we're home. So the time does go very quickly. And has that been way, way busier than normal then, all those sponsorship stuff? Yes. Is it, is it a bit <laughs> of completely different, almost a different insight into it all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we think we feel like just social media influencers and not athletes anymore because I mean, we're not racing. And so we can't showcase our skills and um and, you know, it, in that way, we can't get out on the race course and and be visible that way. So like coming up with um strategies to continue to promote our sponsors and add value to our partners um without actually racing uh, has become a full-time job which is mad <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's crazy but i mean it you know it is what it is and you know we're fortunate to have great partners um you know that are supporting us through this time and obviously you know supporting me through a, a second pregnancy as well so um no complaints although there is some grumbles sometimes when we're like ah, oh, i just want to like relax and not have to you know be constantly thinking do another bloody know. podcast interview god <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the podcast interviews that you know you know they take time but it's not something you really have to prepare for whereas the content creation and um that sort of thing that you've kind of got to really kind of come up with some unique ways and ideas to to help showcase your sponsors um and that is i think more challenging Totally. Let's talk about then motherhood and pregnancy and being a professional athlete. Do you think there is ever a good time for a professional athlete to become a mum? Right now is a good time. <laughs> this is like the perfect time to to have a baby because obviously, you know, I'm not missing any any racing whatsoever. Uh, so this, if there was a time, it's right now. Uh, but outside of that, I, I don't think there is a perfect time. And, you know, when we decided to have Isabel, you know, I was just, you know, finished second in the world. It was 2016. And I think earlier in my career, I always thought I'd race until I was done and then I'd have a baby and be done with the sport. But then I was 35 years old and um, knew that we wanted to have a baby, more than one baby. And, you know, the clock's kind of ticking. I, you know, I don't want to – I didn't want to risk getting too old and, you know, having those complications or the risk factors that go up. Um, and so – but I still love the sport and I still love racing. So that was a decision we made as a family knowing that, you know, it was going to be a financial step back. Um, but it was – that was the most – more important than racing at that time. I think you get to a point where – the desire to become a mum or to become parents is is pulls you stronger than the desire to be the best in the world, and that's where I, what that's basically where I got to in 2016. I, I mean, even on the marathon in Kona, you know, second getting second place, I all I could think about was as soon as I'm done with this race, I'm going to try and have a baby because that was just. Um, so much of what I wanted at that point in my life and because I've done, I'd, I'd done so much in the sport already and I still knew I wanted to keep racing, but I was just like, it is time. I just knew it. And so, you know, we had Izzy and I came back to racing and um, I've been really enjoying racing, like loving it. And it's the second round I was almost like, I don't really want to stop racing just yet. I really am enjoying racing. I think I have another some really great performances left in me. 
And then COVID happened and we're like, well, there goes racing. That's made my decision for me basically. So um, the second, you know, baby was basically, you know, the decision was made for me and um, I don't think there could have been better timing and we were, as I said, fortunate to conceive uh, fairly quickly. Do you think that it's, I don't think acceptable is necessarily the right word, but do you think there has been a complete shift in, in I don't know, yeah, beliefs, thoughts around active mums and 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 pro yeah proactively racing and being an amazing mum and being an amazing athlete. Absolutely, uh, and it's certainly in the last few years, we we've seen athletes come out. I think now is a is a great time to be a professional athlete mother because um, sponsors and supporter you know partners are waking up and seeing the value in that. Um, and say you know 10, 15, 20 years ago, and even further, no chance. I mean, you were basically you know taken off the roster and paid nothing um, until you know or until or if you could prove yourself again and win back that sponsorship basically. And so I think it's been great to see athletes like Cara Goucher and uh, Alison Felix and, and, and only in the last few years have they emerged and said, you know, no, this is wrong. What happened to me when I was professionally racing? Um, I had my sponsors basically pull the rug out from underneath me and basically blacklist me for becoming pregnant. And I think, um, there are brands seeing the value in sponsoring mums. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I have a whole new audience of uh, people that can relate to what I'm going through. Um, more often than not, I mean, I think, you know, 100% of the time, it's got to be a great idea to sponsor the best athlete in the world. You know, people are going to follow them, admire them, and um, appreciate what they do on the race course. But I think there is a big market for, you know, real-life athletes, you know. I mean, not that, you know, the, the you know, world beaters and the best in the world uh, you aren't real-life, but they're harder to relate to than, say, an athlete that, um, you know, is a mother of one kid or two kids and um, balancing being a parent and racing. Um, yeah, I think, you know, sponsors and partners are waking up and seeing that, okay, this is this is a whole new demographic that we can reach now uh, because they can relate to the athlete that we're supporting. So, yeah, I think it's a great time to to um, be a professional athlete and a mum. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And do you almost feel like you can relate more to other female age group athletes, for example? So compared to, I don't know, rewind to like 2014, you know, best in the world. Do you think you could have even related to some of those athletes who are balancing everything? No, I don't think you have any idea until you actually have a child um, of your own and yeah, I mean, you you think that you can relate to them because you know you grew up in a family and you had a mum and your mum juggled things. But until you're a mother and you feel the love and the pull um, from that tiny person um, to be with them, to spend time with them, um, to give everything to them, um, you don't really understand what it's like to you know. Oh, I've got to go ride five hours and like the guilt, the mum guilt that comes along with that um, and just the wanting to be everything 
for that little person. Um, yeah, I think now that I have a baby, I have a much better understanding for what um, working mums go through. How do you deal with the mum guilt? Yeah, I struggled a little bit in the beginning. Um, I think I always look at um, professional professional other professionals that aren't athletes who have to go to work for nine hours a day, eight hours a day and leave their baby behind in someone else's care or at daycare. And I just think, you know, how hard that must be for them. And, you know, being a professional athlete, I'm in and out all day. I, you know, I go out for a swim, I'm gone for two hours, I'm home again. I go out for a ride, I come back home again. I'm sort of, you know, the most amount of time I'd be away would be like a five, five and a half hour ride. And, you know, that does seem like a long time, but, you know, I didn't do that until Isabel was probably, you know, you know, eight months old. Uh, So, you know, I built up to um, spending that much time away from her. And so, you know, like I think then I appreciate that I'm lucky enough to be able to spend as much time as I do with her and have the flexibility to move training around if she needs me and I can't leave at that moment, then, you know, I can move it and, to a later time of the day or um, switch around my training so that it fits her um, schedule a little better. So, um, yeah, I think you do have a little bit of mum guilt, but I think the, on the flip side as well, I want to be a really strong role model for my daughter. So I want to show her that, you know, I'm a, a strong female um, performing well in my arena and, it's possible to do that and be a mother and everything that I can be to her. Um, So I think that is also a driving force um, behind, you know, doing what I do. You know, the first time you said that you went out for like that five, five and a half hour ride. Do you remember how you felt at the thought of going out for that? (laughs) Um, I, not sure. I I, th- I remember I did I did one longer ride. It was about four hours in Australia, and I left early, so um, she was still sleeping. So I knew I wouldn't miss much of you know her awake time. Um, but no, I don't think I felt super like guilt at that moment because it was so far along in like coming and going all the time for training. The main thing was like doing it um, and having full boobs (laughs) you know like because I was breastfeeding her and you know basically every two to two and a half hours and I remember the last hour of my ride I'm like oh my goodness I need to I need to go home like she must be hungry uh because I definitely am ready to feed her my my um uh my boobs are quite full so (laughs) I just remember that like more than anything I remember um Meredith Kessler talking to me about yeah doing I don't know if it would have been an Ironman or if it would have been a 70.3 but just yeah racing whilst breastfeeding and and the kind of just yeah the whole body almost like screaming out for that what can you sum it up like what's it what's it like yeah I mean it's it's painful um when you know I I did my first Ironman when Izzy was about 10 months I think Meredith might have done hers when Mac was only around five months, so I can't even imagine um, imagine that situation. But, yeah, like all of the extra things you have to think about, okay, so do I pump like right before the gun goes off um, or like have the baby there and be feeding her right before the gun? Because the more you feed, the more you produce. And so there's like uh, like a whole science to figuring out how best to get through that situation. And, yeah, like, yeah, certainly the whole marathon the latter part of the bike, you kind of, it's all of a sudden, like it comes on and like, okay, time to feed the baby. And you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't feed the baby right now. And so it's just kind of, um, yeah, just a little bit painful, I guess, extra pain (laughs) that you are dealing with in nine men. And do you think that, um, like our race organizers and things like that now, are they more understanding about, you know, perhaps some protocols which maybe a few years ago they wouldn't have even thought about whereas because there are now more mums racing they're a little bit more chilled out and a little bit more okay we can bend the rules slightly here you know um I I mean I don't know how you would bend the rules 
for that situation other than like having the baby in T2 and feeding it, you know, like, I mean, I, and I'm sure any race organizer would be happy to allow that or, you know, but uh, I mean, you know, I, at my races, I had Izzy right, you know, 10 minutes before the gun went off, I kind of was with her. Um, and then immediately crossed the finish line and she was in my arms again and go into the recovery area and feed, feed her, um, was basically my, my, um, and I, I remember in Cairns, I got, I raced there and that was my first time then after having Izzy and yeah, I like needed to feed her and she obviously needed some milk, some mummy's milk, but then she was on solids too. So, and I pumped as well. So she was getting everything she needed, but I needed to feed her, um, to offload some of the milk that had been building up over the day. And they like postponed the awards so that I could feed Izzy because you know they get everyone across the line and they're like straight away you're up on the podium and they're like I basically was had Izzy on my boob <laughs> and um, they're like no worries um, feed feed Izzy when you're all done we'll 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 do the awards so yeah they're very very accommodating in that respect and weren't like we need to do them right now they're like okay <laughs> nature calls you know like we. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really good but I was just thinking maybe for some age group um perhaps more age group athletes actually that because quite often you maybe you've got to be in a pen you know and you can't have like your say your partner there with your kid and at the finish line again it might take a little bit longer for age groupers to kind of get through and then get out the other side that was yeah that was more what I was um, yeah, I wonder. I'm not sure. I'd have to. Um, I know, like they're very accommodating with the professionals, uh, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how what that's like for the amateurs. Yeah, really. Talk to me about your body and getting back to fitness after after having Izzy. What was it like? <laughs> it was pretty rough. Um, yeah, I I definitely didn't. I mean, there are different approaches you can take throughout your pregnancy and, and returning to racing after, and I was very conservative. I had the luxury to be very conservative because Isabel was born in August, and I really basically had written that whole season off, and I wasn't really racing until March, April the next year. So I had six or seven months after she was born to, you know, prepare. And we did, you know, it was kind of by design really, like straight after Kona, we're like, let's get pregnant as quickly as we can. Fortunately, we did, and then um, I had, you know, a bunch of time. I basically had Izzy in um, August, Tim, and then I was 100% mum, Judy, no training, maybe some hikes, but no swim, bike, run until till Kona because Tim was preparing for Kona, so we were supporting him through that. And then I did my first, um, like, 20-minute jog, walk, and 1,500-meter swim in Kona about eight weeks after she was born. And then just like slowly progressed from there. And then like everyone was going into off season. So there wasn't any like pressure to be training hard and like getting after it because everyone was like winding it down for the year. And even Tim was winding it down for the year. So that was kind of a nice way to get moving again. And I want to say we kept it pretty conservative through till around February and then started to um, – like ramp up my training a little bit for my first race, which was April, which is just a 70.3. And yeah, we, it was definitely tough. Like in the first weeks coming back and being on a more regular schedule, like in December, January, I remember just being like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to get back to where I was before. But actually Rachel Joyce gave me some great advice, which was, don't focus on the athlete you were before or the times that you did before or how you felt before. Focus on your progress week to week. And that really is amazing, actually, because, you know, being in the sport for 10, 15 years, you know, spend a whole season getting that 1% or, you know, that half a kilometer an hour faster or um, five extra watts on the bike, um, you know, FTP increase. But with coming back after a baby weekly you're seeing like oh I can I'm swimming my hundreds two seconds faster than I was last week and I'm biking like you know five watts higher with the same heart rate and um so yeah that was actually a more positive way to to come back um you can't help but sometimes be like oh my god the mountain is quite 
quite steep still, but like trying to keep, you know, bringing it back to well and making progress every week. And that's all I can ask of myself. And I, and I guess it just comes back to being kind to yourself and asking yourself if you're doing everything you can, if the answer is yes, then that's all you can do, right? Like there's no point in beating yourself up or stressing about how you're going to get back to, to form. Uh, but that's certainly not helpful. So yeah, it was, it was hard and I'm not looking forward to the return again, but, um, but it is pretty also remarkable how amazing the human body is. And while you're in the thick of it, like baby's two months old, three months old, it feels like you're never going to get there. And then three months later, you're like, wow, I'm as good as I ever was or close to it. It's pretty incredible. It's insane, isn't it? Yes, totally. I mean, the, I think the baby hormones definitely help, um, which, you know, you know, thank heavens for those. But um, not only for just the training, but I think they're helpful just in the, like, less sleep, like taking care of a baby and, and training. Like, you're, all, you're superhuman. I mean, I remember being, like, hardly having any sleep and then doing a day of training and being like, there's no way prior to Izzy I'd be able to handle this. I would be an absolute wreck. But I'm like, I actually feel okay. I actually feel fine. And you're like going on, you know, you know, a few hours sleep from the night before. It's pretty amazing. Was that weird to get your head around? Because as an athlete, you know, recovery and sleep is one of the key things. Absolutely. Yeah, it was weird. But like I kept checking in with myself and being like, like, are you okay? I'm like, actually, I feel okay. I'm like, oh, we'll just keep rolling with this then. <laughs> Little self-conversations. <laughs> yeah, t- totally. And, you know, I just kind of roll with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it all goes um, slow in the moment, but fast when you look back on it, like anything, right? Um, and so, yeah, like – when you're in the thick of it, you're kind of just like dealing with what you're dealing with in that moment. Um, and then you kind of look back and be like, wow, that was pretty incredible what we were able to accomplish and achieve in, you know, those times. And I mean, it's not going to be, it's going to be harder with the second one, obviously, because we'll have two, especially my, my little, my little girl, Izzy will, I think, struggle a little bit sharing, sharing mummy, but um, I think she'll also be a really good helper. So it's going to be an interesting road to navigate and what about you as an athlete how has being yeah being a mum would you say changed your outlook on the whole sport and and being a professional athlete I think um there when you have a child your whole world opens up like what really matters is way more you know obviously Isabel my husband this new little baby their well-being and health and happiness are way more important than any race could ever be. That being said, I still have the same passion and excitement and desire to race well and do well. And even sometimes more so in that I, because I'm dedicating so much time to the sport and taking that time away from spending with my babies, um, I want to make it count. And so when I'm on that race course, you better believe I'm going to, race my heart out uh, because I've, you know, I've taken time away from being with my, my little ones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there is a bit of a shift in that it's not the whole world, um, in your whole world, but it doesn't take away from the intensity of how you attack racing. So I think when you finish and you're at home and you're, um, you know, looking at what's important in life, racing is, is not number one and it was number one before having babies. Um, yeah, it's number three or four after family health and, um, happiness and, and all of those things. Has it surprised you that you can almost like even say that? Um, no, I don't think it, I mean, you kind of think it will, but like then when you actually, you know, have that little person, you're like, nothing is more important than this. And the, like, you know, they, they say it all, you know, people say it all the time. Like you will never really know love until you have a child. And I, I and I say you never understand, like never really appreciate your own mother until you have your own, own child, because that like love is, inc- is incredible. So it's something you, 
I'd never experienced before. I mean, you have love for your husband and you have love for your parents and you have love for your friends, but the intensity of the love for your little one is off the charts and um, it's pretty um, amazing how it just keeps growing as well um, as that little person grows and into a – although some days there's uh, a little less love when <laughs> when they're little terrors. But, um, no, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And, I, you know, you kind of know that that's going to happen, but you you don't really appreciate it until it's you're happening to you. Now, Rini, we've not seen a mum on the top step of the Ironman World Championships, I, I think I'm right in saying, since N- Natasha Badman in, mm-hmm. uh, again, I think 2005, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Do you think we are going to see a mum at some point? I hope not, so. Not sorry, not ne- not necessarily you. It could be, but you know, like yeah. yeah. Do you think we will? Absolutely. I think um, it's it's very much possible. It it really just depends on, um, you know, the perfect storm, right? Um, having the right athlete um, that wants to continue to race at the highest level, um, who's had had a child. I mean, uh, I I look at other you know amazing athletes like Kristen Armstrong. She had her best years after she had a little boy and actually after she was 40 years old. And then, you know, Natasha Badman, she had her daughter long before she was even a triathlete. Um, and, you know, they're world beaters. And so there's no reason, you know, it just, it just, you know, like anything, becoming a world champion, it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of things have to fall in place um, for it to work out on the day. And there's absolutely no reason why, you know, professional athlete um iron man couldn't couldn't be a mum again soon yeah it's, and nicola spirig right so oh yeah yeah um you know olympic um olympic gold medalist silver medalist at rio you actually raced with her at the very very start of your careers like yonks and yonks ago didn't you i think was it 2002 yeah, back in um, yeah, 2002, my second world champs in the under-23 race. And I think I, I raced her the year before in 2001. I think she, she won that world title. I was probably last that day <laughs> in Edmonton. Um, but then we raced each other in uh, Cancun in 2002. And I actually ended up being in a sprint finish with her and, and actually got to – pipped her at the line um, for second place. A uh, Spanish girl finished first that day. So – um, yeah, we, we raced against each other many, many years ago. In fact, it's kind of interesting, like that little era of, um, races, like basically we were born in 1981, 1982. Um, we've kind of raced alongside and against each other, you know, throughout our career for the last two decades, basically almost, um, like Jody Swallow, um, Annabelle Luxford, um, obviously Nicholas Spirig. Um, there's a couple of other girls that I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting that, yeah, we've been battling, um, across all distances, um, for, you know, over, well over a decade. And just looking at someone like Nicola and, and what she has achieved, even since, since London 2012 and becoming a mum and obviously now mum of three got her place at Tokyo. Like, do you look at someone like her and feel quite inspired by that? Yeah, I mean, having three little ones is pretty, <laughs> pretty incredible. I mean, she she had her one little little boy um, in Rio after she got the silver, and I don't know if she was pregnant or not in London. She might have been just, or she maybe didn't know yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just yeah, I mean, she's an incredible athlete. Has had an incredible career, and. Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, for her to still be going and still be racing at the highest level, going to another Olympics, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I, I'm hopefully the Olympics happen. And I think, you know, she'll she'll be, you know, one of the girls to watch for sure. She'll be there or thereabouts, won't she? Oh, yeah. I mean, she just has that ability to, like, race at the highest level when it matters most. And uh, I think there are a few athletes that have that. And are there other... Um... I want to say like super mum, like iron, iron, uh, I can't even think, like iron distance um, professional triathletes who you look up to 
as well? Well, I think uh, you look at Karen Smyers. She had her children and was still racing for a number of years after. Um, and then it's just more like the recent – I mean, it, uh, Rachel Joyce had her little boy the year before I did and came back and raced phenomenally well, won Boulder, won Montremblant, uh, went to Kona, and I think that was her fourth Ironman in like two months or three months or something. Didn't have a great Kona, which we expected. Um, but, yeah, it was – inspiring to watch her come back and how well she raced uh yeah i mean it can be done and and it's pretty incredible um the strength of i mean i always have have been inspired by other mothers that i've raced against and how strong they are physically but mentally strong and i think the mental strength is certainly something i felt like i felt i had my best mental game after izzy came along just because I wanted to make every race count every second of every race count whereas before yes I did but there was definitely a little bit more uh uh I want to say it was a bit more relaxed about it what was after Izzy is I mean I was relaxed and enjoying and loving that I could come back and race and I was still able to compete at the level I was competing at but I think that came from just a mental strength that was like, I'm going to make this race count and I don't really care, um, you know, how I get there, how much it hurts. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have a real good crack at this race. Do you think you could go mentally deeper as well? I think so. But I think, I think there is something to be said for having that time off as well and time away from the sport. You know, I was, did my first race in 99. I was racing on the junior team by 2001, basically dedicated my whole life to the sport. Um, and then, you know, 2017 basically took that year away from racing and no races um, and no, like, just didn't even consider myself a professional athlete for that year. And that break was exactly what I needed because when I came back, it was just like, I think, in 2016, 2015, you kind of almost take it for granted. Um, sorry, my little one's running around here. <laughs> um, and then you almost take it for granted, like, oh, yeah, here's another race. And you kind of like – it's not that you're bored of it. It's just that you kind of like – you know how everything's going to play out almost. Um, and then you take the year away and then you have a whole new appreciation for racing just being able to be out there and doing what you love and like realizing that I do this because I love doing it. Whereas I think the last couple of years before I had Izzy, I did it. I did love it, but it was also a little bit of a chore sometimes. Whereas post Izzy, I did it because I loved it and there was no need to be racing. If I didn't want to race, I didn't have to race. Um, not that I had to before, but it was almost just what I did. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, also adds to the mental strength that you have because you're there because you want to be there you're there because you love being there you're there because you enjoy racing you enjoy the challenge you enjoy pushing yourself and you like have a little cheerleader as well um on the, on the sidelines which certainly helps uh push you on and you said a little bit earlier that you thought that actually you would probably finish and then have children mm -hmm. So had had retirement at all like crossed your almost like crossed your mind, say at the age of thirty three or something, right, well I'm gonna be retiring in a couple of years to then have kids. And how has that changed? Um, no, I think when I thought that I'd retire, it was more like late twenties before I was even married and I was like, Yeah, you know, I'll race until I'm ready to have children, whatever that might be. Um and it wasn't even a thought about how old I'd be when that would happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess probably 35, 36, obviously, is when I'm like, okay, I need to have a baby because I don't want to wait any longer. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't like I was um, – I've lost my train of thought a little bit. <laughs> no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't like I was um, – I'm going to blame this on pregnancy, pregnancy brain. <laughs> 
<laughs> like just hell bent on being done with it and retire and retiring at a certain age. And it was kind of like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But then, you know, I got married and then, you know, you know, wonderful relationship and wanted to start a family with him. And that was just pulling me more than triathlon was pulling me at that time. And then, yeah, it was kind of like, well, I actually still want to race and I'm still think I can be pretty good at this sport. There's no need to stop. And so, yeah, that's where it was kind of like everything just shifted. And my mom was always like, you can have a baby and keep racing. And I was like, no, no, no. I think I just want to be a mom when I'm done racing. And, and I'm like, no, I, like, I think I can do this. I can do both. And then, yeah, sure enough, had the, had the little one and still Mom's racing. Best. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> sure do. Love it. Final, final thing. So, yeah, is, is the plan to come back again after baby numero deux? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I always say, you know, the plan is to come back and race. Um, and actually, I already have my Kona slot for 2021. So that's the goal. But as long as everything's good with the baby, as long as the baby's healthy, as long as I'm healthy, as long as everything goes well with the, the birth and um, and, the, and the baby's happy and healthy, doesn't need me 24-7, then um, I will come back and race. And so basically, yes, that's the plan unless something goes crazy wrong. <laughs> Love it. Rini, best of luck over the next few months. Best wishes to you and to Timothy and as well to Izzy and the little baby. Yeah, thanks so much, Helen. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. Do get in touch. I love hearing about it. And I know that a good number of you, especially in the UK over the last few weeks, have been able to race a little bit. Cleverly, we've managed to coincide our leave, so a bit of time off, with all of these races. Oh, but shout out to Lisa for smashing our local triathlon at Boundary Park and getting a PB on the run. Dan says he's been enjoying some coffee rides, but ouch, got stung on the tongue at the weekend. Nick got in touch. She did the lap, which sounds awesome. It's a 47-mile trail run around Lake Windermere with two and a half thousand metres of ascent. Oof. She was fourth female sounds ace hannah and damien they've both been in touch saying how much they enjoyed the hannah grant performance chef interview from a few weeks ago lucy gossage also commented recently about mike taylor who was on the show very recently saying how he was a completely out of the blue supporter for team lucy at staffordshire 70.3 and it was a team raising money for the teenage cancer trust Lucy says he contacted me and offered to be a support driver for the course recce training day and then offered everyone a free bike fit. He's a truly generous person as well as a fab bike fitter. Could not agree more. And Joe dropped me a note as well saying he's really enjoying the different episodes and he wanted to find out a little bit more about reviewing some triathlon gear with Trevello who were on a few weeks ago. So do keep your comments and messages coming. I love hearing from you. You can get in touch via social media or get in touch, drop me an email. It's up to you. So my news, we are back from one holiday and uh, we have a week of work and then we are going to go for another week's break. We were originally due to be going hiking in France, but uh, EasyJet have cancelled our flight, so that is not happening. And as South Wales was so amazing last week, we're going to let North Wales see, see if North Wales can be as fab as South Wales. And given that I grew up in North Wales, I have high hopes. <laughs> high hopes. But yeah, hopefully a bit more uh, walking, hiking, swimming, all that kind of stuff. Chilling, yes. Vino, a few cold beers, all that, all that jazz and just a bit of switching off. And it is amazing when you do take that time away, just oh, how refreshed you can feel. So this week's show has been sponsored by Long Range Fuel, who make phenomenally tasty performance enhancing nut butters. You can use the code InsideTry10 for a discount on their products. Just head to resilientnutrition.com or follow the link in the show notes over at helenmurray.net, where you can also sign up to regular emails about what is coming up 
or episodes that you might have missed. Thank you as well to 33fuel.com and to comfuel.co.uk for their continued support. For natural and yummy bars and award-winning Ultimate Daily Greens, 33fuel.com is the place to go. Use the code InsideTry33 for a discount at checkout. But if pick and mix is more your thing and you want different energy products, sweat tests, water bottles whatever it might be, then pop over to Comfuel and you can get 20% off everything simply by using the code InsideTry. So thank you as ever for listening. Don't forget if you want to hear the rest of the Rosie Swale Pope interview to sign up to be a training buddy over at patreon.com forward slash InsideTryShow. In the meantime, look after yourself, look after those around you and we'll speak again very soon. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.